Welcome back to On Deck by Haversign Funding, the podcast where we dive deep into insights, trends, and strategies that drive success in this unique space. Uh, today, we have our second episode. We're really excited about that. Brought back Jen Merritt, the president of Haversign Funding. She had too much fun on the first episode, so we had to bring her back for another one. And uh, none other than Cole Harmonson, the owner at Dare Capital. Cole, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Cole, we really wanted to have you on and, and kind of dive deep into one of the, the topics that keep coming up in conversation with, with other lenders that we're seeing is the challenges that everyone is experiencing in this unique space. It's, it's different than any past trends that we have seen, to say the least. And I think a lot of people could benefit from hearing from a business owner's perspective, someone that has been in the industry for a long time, like yourself and Jen as well. And then additionally, someone who is is newer to the space like me and the, the different challenges that we're seeing, what the new innovations that are popping up in the industry and some of the solutions that have worked for you in your past and that you plan on utilizing here in the future. So, uh, Cole, I think we could start from the very beginning and tell us a little bit of how you got into the space and your journey to where you are now. Uh, I started in factoring in 1994 for a bank out in El Paso. And in 96, I started a factoring asset-based lending group for a bank here in Austin. Been in Austin ever since. And then we sold that in 2007 um started another company called far west sold that in 2018 and then was lucky enough to get to partner with deborah zuconic in 2019 to start dare yeah that's a that's an interesting journey you know you've you've it seems like everyone kind of slips into the space and once you're in it you just don't leave uh so cole what were some of the challenges that you experienced getting into the industry uh, from you know, your initial introduction to factoring? And then also, what were some of the challenges when starting D.A.R.E. that you experienced? I mean, getting into the industry in 94 is a lot different than getting into the industry today. Uh, <laughs> yes. back, in, back in the day, we were sort of coming off the 80s and all the credit crisis that happened then. So I just happened to benefit from the knowledge of some really smart bankers, focusing on cash flow, focusing on collateral management, focusing on, you know, basically the things we do, which is take care of customers and manage the risk that we have. Right. And so when starting dare, how is it different than yeah, before? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a trick question. I, I just know things are different. It's hard. As you know, we've all been hanging around the IFA for a long time. I yep. think there were you know, 25 people at the, at the meeting in 1996. And today there's like 800 people. Yes. So the mm -hmm. proliferation of the product, I think speaks, you know, very well to what the product does for customers. It's different today in that. I mean, we could just jump right into what I think the biggest challenges today yeah, are. Let's do it. And I think that's this, I think that's this banking crisis that we're in that no one is calling a banking crisis yet. Absolutely. I'm sure. Most of the factors that are out there have seen this, but we see deals getting kicked out right after the SVB debacle. That was the first wave it looked like of deals that are not financeable at all because of over advances or 
tons of inventory reliance. Right. Banks are still over advanced going into industries that they didn't really understand. Going into industries that were started during Zerp and Burr. And I think those models are really being tested right now. And now it feels like we're we're starting to see clients that are coming to us that are much better on the credit spectrum um, on this liquidity crisis that banks are facing, I think is a double-edged sword for factors. In general, I think it's going to be good for us over a longer term. Mm-hmm. I think in the I think in the interim, in the next couple of years, it's going to depend on sort of what happens and what the Fed does and how the banking environment changes. But I think the days of easy credit uh, that we've all been sort of wishing for, if you will, um, and and looking at you know what the competitors are doing are are over with. And I think factors are going to be very well served. Um, in the next couple of years. When you say it's a double-edged sword on that piece, you know, I know we're seeing as well and all the lenders and factors we work with, they said the same thing. And, and, you know, earlier when everyone expected this big wave, you know, credit wave to come in as far as getting new deals, those were not the same quality that everyone wanted. And I think we talked about this on our last podcast a little Mm -hmm. bit, but um, now things have picked up. Banks are asking clients to leave and companies to go find, um, a home elsewhere, or if one of their, um, if one of the businesses needs a line increase or something like that, they can't help them. Uh, there was an article that was out today about, you know, approval rates within the alternative finance space being up 27, 29%, um, and bank approvals are down 13%. But, but that goes with more, uh, movement into this alternative specialty finance space for lenders and factors to take advantage of. Is a double-edged sword piece of that, the fact that lenders and factors also need to find financing and need capital, or is it more on the, the existing companies within their portfolios that could be facing challenges or maybe it's all three things. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't have a capital company without capital. So, you know, at at the end of the day, you have to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of your senior lender, et cetera. But I mean, we are in a credit pickers market. We've been in a credit picker's market in the, in, since the last 12 months, 18 months. Uh, we've been very conservative in the way that we've looked at things just because it has felt like every leading indicator you can look at, you know, with the most recent being, you know, the deterioration of the freight market uh, is just one leading indicator. But, you know, I won't sit here and go through all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it seems like we're due for a leg down uh, in terms of valuation after a forty percent run up in the last couple of years over every asset class you can think of. Um, so you know my thought process and certainly Deborah's thought process around around credit is to be extra conservative because I think we're going to continue to see banks looking for liquidity so that's the double-edged sword is yeah we're going to have a lot more deal flow but i think we have to be much more concerned with our concentration levels and with the way in which we're extending credit because uh i don't think this storm is over i think this is just the beginning of it i would agree with that um we're you know everyone is busier but it seems like people are um lenders are, you know, 
adding into their underwriting processes, their account management processes to gear up for those challenges so they can work through those deals properly, but also um, make sure you have the tools in place and the people in place to manage all of that um, as, as there's more deals coming, right, from, from all that's going on. What would you say are important things for people to look at? You know, I know last time we talked, um, it was, you know, you can throw people at things, but, you know, right. what are important things for that you can share from as long as you've been doing this? I'm going to say that because it's one year longer than me. Um, <laughs> uh, that that would be helpful for people coming in the space or that are in the space and haven't been through something like this before. Like, what are what are things they can gravitate to, look at, um, technology, anything like that that you can share? Yeah, I mean, an, an expert is just a person who's made more mistakes in one field than anyone else. So, you know, I feel like we've we've made as many as, as anyone else. I think each time we've had one of those, we tried to learn and put put some belts and suspenders around the things that you need to pay attention to. So, you know, everyone who gets into this space, you know, who's not been a lender or in credit before really looks at it as fairly simple. You purchase a receivable and it pays, right? You collect your money and you move on down the road. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all know that that's, that's, How hard that's can not that the be, case. Right? <laughs> yeah. The people think that it's, it's a, it's an easy business. It's not, you know? And so we, we really looked at it and said, Hey, we, we have to boil down to the essentials, the non-negotiable things that if you are claiming to understand your portfolio, on, on a real-time basis, it's not actually possible given the technology that's on the market right now. It's a spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be uh, introducing a software product that uh, we think is going to be uh, revolutionary for the industry because it's actually going to be able to, to track those things. But they're pretty simple. Anyone, again, people that are, have been in this business, we all know the things to do but it's being proactive with your collateral and it's being proactive with your clients and being proactive importantly with your team because everyone knows when you scale a business and that's what everyone who gets in this space wants to do. They want to scale their portfolio Mm -hmm. so they can grow it, so they can realize a premium, so they can have basically a machine that, that that, that cleanses capital for, for we were, we are part of the banking system in some way. Right. So, you know, I can dive into some of those things, but essentially it's being proactive and being able to get all of the information out of the the day-to-day transactions that happen within factoring are not, um, they're not something that you could just put in the trash can. And, and also, you know, the old way you did it was with spreadsheets and relying on one person and saying to that person, Hey, how's it going over there? And that book is different day and age now. Right. Right. Meanwhile, you know, sort of, you know, back in the day, it was just those spreadsheets, but you can actually glean a lot of information. We built a backend tool and it was able to give us these analytics um, around notification, verification, and identification to things that, you know, we would all look at concentrations, dilution, days to pay, dilution all, over all days All the important aspects when uh, evaluating your portfolio. Yeah, all those important aspects. And so we're excited about that. Um, and, and from that perspective, it's understanding that operational risk is just as much a risk as credit risk is. So everyone 
you know, in, in the finance business goes and builds these giant credit packages and they look great, but if you can't execute, you know, within your team, that's another issue. So being able to communicate and, and scale your business, you have to have that information at your fingertips and you have to be able to react quickly. We know in factoring, it's not like, oh, we can wait till the end of the quarter and get the borrowing base and we'll go back and, right. you know, we'll, we'll just be able to turn this ship. We you can't do that. You can't do that in factoring. And, th- and that's, you know, that's really exciting news about the software. I think that's something that the industry needs and is ready for. Uh, you know, you were able to collect all the information that you've learned over the years and kind of curate your your perfect potion, something that you think is very important when evaluating uh, your book of business and what's important to see for business owners or portfolio managers or whatever the role may be. One thing that you, you did mention that I kind of want to touch on is when scaling your business, uh, going mm-hmm. into the challenges, because that's something that a lot of industries and specifically our industry are facing those challenges is scaling uh, with the banking in combination with the banking crisis, higher interest rates, higher cost of capital. So could you kind of dive into how you navigate those waters with uh, the more expensive cost of capital? But yeah, if your book is por- or performing and you're actively growing those challenges with scaling, uh, you know, you have the capital challenge, and then you also have the hiring new new uh, employees, onboarding them. So could you kind of walk us through how you work those challenges out? Yeah, I mean, so when you're scaling, to me, that means, or, or again, what I've learned, again, from, from mistakes is that, you know, instead of having goals, uh, instead of having outcomes, you have systems and you have processes that you follow religiously and that you make sure that you're paying attention to those processes and the habits and the actions and the effort that goes into each one of those things versus saying, we want to have a perfect portfolio or we want to close X amount of deals. So it's finding whatever those metrics are that are important for your business and then following those. And again, if you can't communicate that to your team and you can't monitor and manage that, then the execution just won't be there. So Mm -hmm. if you're going and you're going from zero to a hundred million in NFE or whatever your goal is as a factor or an a, or as an ABL lender, you, you really need to have that firm foundation of understanding what it is that we do. And again, um, you know, it's easier. So I'm, I'm more predisposed to the sales side. And that was one of the reasons why is because you can understand how many calls people make. Mm-hmm. You can understand how many proposals are put out, what gets accepted, what gets funded and why it doesn't, you know, but on the operations and credit side, it's more like a black box that you throw things into. And then 30 days later, oh, did the invoice pay? Again, that's why we took each one of the silos of the things that are very, very important to operations and broke that down. And in the world of hybrid today, you can't necessarily be in the same room with everyone all Mm -hmm. the time. So everyone has to understand where are you? Where's the book today? What are we doing about it? Who is responsible for doing what inside of your book? And if you have a way to manage that, great. And we've all belt and suspended our way around figuring out ways to do that, you know, Salesforce, other CRMs, 
all kinds of systems, but people get, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. You know, if you have to go log into 12 things and it's just yeah. busy work. We, uh, we see lots of, uh, because we work with so many different lenders and, and, uh, and factors, but we'll see people that don't have any KP, uh, key performance indicators that they're looking at. And some people have so many that it's I don't know how you would be able to measure that. Mm -hmm. And, and then you gotta, like you said, you gotta pull out what is important. Um, and, and it's interesting because being proactive is, is a big thing. And I think, um, the tools, you need to have all that information today. Cause when someone looks at, let's sit down once a month and go over the portfolio. I mean, we do it. Everyone does it. Um, but when you're doing that, you're looking at the past, right? And so you can see what's right. happened and just so you understand kind of what the trends are historically, but that's not going to help you with today. When you think about an entire portfolio for a factor turns over what, 32, 45 days, somewhere in that range, depending yep. on the industry. Right. So if you wait a month later, all the invoices you bought last month, who knows where they are now, unless you have current information, technology, things like that. Um, and there's more stuff coming out all the time. And y'all, I'm excited to see what y'all are going to what y'all are going to create or yeah. what you've created that you're going to launch. So, yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, you know, having that real time data is, is way better than having the bias that you get from, from people. And it's human nature. It's normal. It's confirmation bias. It's, Hey, yeah, I know that there was a skipped invoice or yes, I know that dilution over days to pay is changing, but you know, we really like this guy. We believe he's going to perform. That's even if you get that information. So our thought process is real-time data is way better than bias. And so if we're having our portfolio meeting and we're meeting, we're, we're talking about a particular client, we're not relying on someone's opinion about, you know, how what's they feel happening. about the person or their relationship. We're looking at, okay, well, there was a skipped invoice. Why? You know, what happened? Um, it's also hard to know where to focus when you have 1,400, 1,500 clients. I mean, it's a, it, it's, where are you going to start? And so having a risk score model and having that, okay, that's the first thing we're going to talk about is the biggest risk that we see based upon what just happened in the last week, not the last month, not the last two months, but the last week. And so now can we go pull up a heat map and understand exactly, okay, this is the discussion. And further, again, if there's a solution to that, right? Okay, who's responsible for doing it? What are the next steps? So you can always stay ahead of that. So it, you know, being able to, to do that is the thing that we've always strove for. And it's been, a, it's been very difficult. Uh, to, to get that information and to be proactive, not just with your clients that you think are the riskiest clients, which is obviously the most important thing that you want to do inside of your book, but it's also to do on the other side of that, when you have great clients that you need to have conversations with that are performing really well and you want to understand their business, can you get out ahead of those conversations to, mm -hmm. to drive the outcomes that we promise when we sit down with the client, we do a new deal with them, right? We're saying, hey, you're taking our expensive money. You're putting it back into your business. We need to make sure that it's actually like working for you, right. <laughs> doing its job. What are your goals and, and how can we help you get there, right? And checking in with clients like that is, is, is critical. You know, that's one of the things that we said, okay, this is the most important thing. 
everyone talks about it, but it's relationship. It's the relationship that you have with your customers because that is going to also be very critical if there is a problem and your client knows that you didn't just call them when there's a problem. You right. called them prior right. all the time to, to discuss their business. And again, I think it's hard to know where to go unless you have that sort of direct information. So we've talked about it's going to get busier. We're going to need more systems. Hiring's tough um, right now in general as well. So those systems will help. Um, getting access to capital, measuring and performance. What are other things, you know, if, if I'm just, I think what we're trying to do is feel like what can we do to share with those in the space and, and what are key things when we're sitting around talking without being here um, <laughs> that we feel are important or to talk about right now or, or takeaways for the future? I mean, you know, the product that you guys came out with, the, the sub debt product mm -hmm. that goes mm -hmm. up to 95% of your NFE and really focus, helps you as a lender. Net, net funds employed. Yes, yes, yes. For yeah. those that don't know. Net funds employed. Um, that product should have been around in the market forever um, because it really allows you to flex with your portfolio because that's one of the problems for smaller factors and not being able to uh, take down a big chunk of sub debt um, because you couldn't necessarily afford it until you had the NFE. It might cause you to go out and try to book deals maybe that you shouldn't right, in that right. world. And so, you know, having a flexible product like that that also works with your senior lender and understanding their borrowing base requirements, I think is a genius product. Um, you know, we're customers, we're grateful <laughs> for it. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, Man, I wish this thing would have been around forever. But in, in terms of understanding, you know, what, what you need to do with, with your capital, um, I think that's a great, great flexible product you guys created. Thanks. No, yeah. we appreciate that. And we, you know, when we, uh, prior life, prior factoring company, uh, before we offered lender finance products was, you know, we had to go and we had our line of credit, we had to get sub debt. And that was just a, a set amount that we had to use all the time. And you're right. When your portfolio shrinks, you don't need it and you're paying more for it. So we've tried to come up with something that requires some usage, but it does allow you that flexibility when you have um, fluctuations in your in your factoring portfolio. And it and we line it out so that we understand kind of the challenges. It's kind of like what you said. You want to get and understand your company's businesses and the business owners you work with, what they're trying to do, where they're trying to grow. So we created that so that we could help the people we work with get to where they're trying to grow to. Mm -hmm. um, so we like it. Um, and we have other stuff too, but um, I'm trying to think of other things that people do need help with. Um, and I think some of the big takeaways I've heard you talk about, and I agree is concentrations a killer. I feel like everything's a killer, right? <laughs> concentrations are, are, are something to watch out for and be paranoid about, honestly, especially when Absolutely. you have, I think, uh, the, you talked about freight and there was companies going bankrupt in that industry. And so if you had a big concentration with that, that would impact your portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, and it's things yeah. also that you go back a couple years ago. Um, I mean, if transportation and COVID hearing brokerages going bankrupt was something that was blasphemy. Uh, you would, that was almost sold as <laughs> these, these, these brokers aren't going to go bankrupt. 
business is booming. And the groups that didn't take the necessary measurements prior to the downturn, I mean, they're paying the price. So Cole, a lot of the things you touched on, you know, are in preparation for when things are great and also when things do take a turn. Uh, those things are so important. It's, uh, I, I deemed it Cole's six famous non-negotiables. Yeah. Funny. I think, um, I think, I think one, thing, <laughs> one, <laughs> one thing for factors, especially if you're in the transportation market to watch is the surge bankruptcy that's happening, um, which was a, a freight broker. And without going into the complete right. details of it, mm -hmm. it's going to have ramifications on carriers' rights, which, as we know, they have always held a special place in the legislature's heart because carriers have rights to go back on shippers right. and get paid if the brokers don't pay them. Um, and there are lenders that are asking, you know, the bankruptcy court basically to not honor that time. That, that that we've been doing that forever right so that's been a time-honored thing so i think time-honored meaning they're the ones that haul the load they should receive payment for their work yeah, yeah i mean not only should they 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 have they have a legal right have. Mm -hmm. to get paid and so if that gets challenged it's going to make the transportation factoring market a different place it's already a different place but i think that's just a great example of what's happening in credit in general mm -hmm. Um, the freight space, specifically the broke, freight broker space, watching that go from in the last 10 years, adding 3,000 brokers, adding 8,000 brokers, and then 3,000 have closed their doors in the last, uh, in the last year. Right. And so that's a very interesting development. Uh, I can only say it's interesting because we don't have a lot of money out in, <laughs> in yeah, transportation yeah. right now. But it's a bloodbath. And as you know, there are a lot of great transportation factors out there. there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's going to be an interesting case to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. We'll see what the future holds. Um, Cole, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I think everything that you mentioned was awesome. I think everyone from people who are new to the industry People that are experienced and been in the industry for a long time can take a lot away from this conversation. Uh, you know, you've been in it for enough time to understand the the hard times and, and the great times, and really build your business around that and the necessary requirements and all the challenges and how you come up with unique solutions and still coming up with unique solutions like uh, your software. So I think we're all very excited for what the future holds for you and Dare and. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. The pleasure was all ours. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you, Cole. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, thank you all for joining us on today's episode of On Deck with Haversign Funding. We hope you continue to join us on this journey and everyone stay informed, stay inspired, and stay on course to growing your financial platform.